Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from ToLoveHonorAndVacuum.com, where we like to make marriage into a passionate adventure and not a huge to-do list. And today, we are going to go through a ton of reader questions that all have a similar theme, and I have brought my husband, Keith, onto this podcast to help me with this. Hey, everyone. Because our theme is, get ready for it, erections. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it would be good to have a guy on. And hey, you're a doctor too. So yeah, well, that's what I was going to say is that I thought part of that might be because I'm a doctor and I have have studied all this physiology stuff and everything. But I'm a pediatrician. So I I don't (laughs) deal with this stuff an awful lot. Generally, although there are a couple of things. One of the questions is definitely pediatric. So that one's going to be easier. Yes. So let's let's start with the pediatric one just to oh, ease ease you into this and sure. your comfort level before we get outside of your comfort. So here we go. Here we go. I will read you this question. A woman writes in, Sheila, I love your blog for marriage advice and have been following for quite a while. I notice you also post about parenting. So I have a sensitive question about my son. Ever since he was a year old, he has been sort of humping in bed. At first, we shrugged it off and thought he would grow out of it. He knows we don't encourage it, and he tries to hide it. We've tried distracting him with books, etc., or offering other comfort items and activities, encouraging him to sing hymns instead, but he always goes back to it like it's a need. He's now almost four, and it's becoming concerning. I know it's not like what adults do, but I'm afraid that when he reaches that age, it will naturally morph into that. It's impossible to find advice on this because the world says it's natural, let it go, and the Christian community really doesn't address it. Any advice on how to deal with this in a way that won't leave him feeling ashamed? Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I think this is this mom's got a really good attitude already. She doesn't want to shame this boy, and I think that's really positive. I mean, this is a very normal behavior of preschooler children. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time in my office reassuring parents at various levels of freaking out that <laughs> kids do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like it starts a few months old during a diaper change and he'll find it and grab a hold of it just but you know and I just say look he's grabbing a hold of it but it could be his ear or his nose he's grabbing although he doesn't know the difference it's not yeah. a sexual thing you know yeah and that's one of the big things that parents should not do is treat it like a sexual thing like one of the worst things that you can say to a kid let's say they're five six seven eight years old and they are touching themselves boy or girl I I know a lot of parents are trying to give a positive message but if you were to say to your kid honey that's for marriage and God is saving this for marriage. That's going to scare them out of their wits. Oh, be, I don't know how a seven-year-old would take that. Yeah. yeah, because they're not thinking of it in a sexual way. They're just simply thinking, hmm, this feels nice. And if you then say it's for marriage, some little girl is going to go, what do you mean? Like my future husband's yeah. going to touch me like that. They're not thinking that way at all. So that's just going to freak them right out. Yeah. You need to realize this is just a, this is a behavior. And mm-hmm. I, I tell parents, just treat it like any other behavior. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, if he's picking his nose... Right, you just say, "I don't want to see that." <laughs> you know, go do that, go do that in private, kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, that, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and just uh, try and not pay a lot of attention to it. Because the other thing too is, the more attention you pay to something, most parents realize this. Um, but the more attention you pay to something, often you reinforce the behavior. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're spending a lot of time like focusing on it, then you actually cause it to be more prominent. Yeah, and if the kid knows that you're really nervous about it, then they're going to pick up on the fact that there's something nerve-wracking about what I'm doing and that's going to make them feel all weird. So yeah, you don't you don't necessarily want to do that. Uh, but it sounds like this boy is doing it in private. He's doing it in his yeah. room, so it's not in the middle of the day. So I guess some other some other things that I might say is sometimes it can it can be a stress anxiety. 
Yep, absolutely. Well, and that's response. the thing I was thinking too. Is sometimes kids do, do this as a self-soothing kind of thing mm-hmm. if they're dealing with anxiety or other things are going on, right? This sounds like this family sounds like a fairly healthy family, but <laughs> you know, like if, sometimes if they're doing it because it's a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. then you can try and work on other ways of coping with stress or things like that. Right? If, um, is that what you were going with? Yeah, that? that's yeah. exactly yeah. it. Yeah, and she says that she is offering him other comfort toys or whatever instead which is great and and the other thing too is that that these things often get better by the time they get to school age too so i I would just at this point recommend that they not pay too much attention to it and Mm -hmm. now if if it's getting excessive and becoming a worse and worse problem then they should probably talk to somebody about it but yeah like their pediatrician i I know we've we've had some letters from parents where their child's actually retreating into their bedroom so they can do this a lot because they know they're only allowed to do it in the bedroom so if if it gets to that point where during the day your child's retreating into their bedroom even if then you probably should speak to a pediatrician but in this case, yeah, it probably is going to go away with time. So just make sure he's not feeling anxious about something else. Um, make sure he's getting lots of exercise, all that sort of thing. Just normal parenting. And hopefully it will resolve itself. But even if you had a problem with masturbation as a teenager, let's not. Sometimes we can be so afraid that our child is going to have the same problems that we have that we actually put that stress on our kids. And so the more that you can separate your own experience as a teenager from what your kid is going through now and just see them solely as who they are. Yeah, often, they're just a kid. Yeah, they're just a kid. And this this isn't necessarily the same thing. You know, and I guess I, the one thing I would say too is just if, if, you're, if your child's doing things that are atypical, like not just normal self-exploratory behavior, mm-hmm. but like things that like the kid... I wouldn't expect a child who hasn't seen something mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. Then, then that's probably something you should talk to your pediatrician about because, you know, in rare cases, this can be a sign that something may have happened or that sort like of thing. Sexual like sexual abuse. Like sexual abuse. Yeah. Kids don't think of this in terms of two people, for instance. Like, they don't mm-hmm. think of it as a sexual act. So mm-hmm. if, if it's a two-person thing, you know, again, it's, it's hard to know because sometimes kids will play doctor and that sort mm-hmm. of thing too. But, mm-hmm. and, you know, and if you're worried, just talk to your pediatrician because we do talk to parents about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Plug. Hey there, listeners. This is Connor, just chiming in to let you know, in case you didn't, Sheila has an incredible course called The Whole Story. It's all about helping your kids learn all that awkward stuff that comes with puberty. It has videos and exercises that are just packed with useful information, but it also serves as a tool for you, helping you have those important conversations with your kids yourself. There is a program for ages 10 to 13 and for 14 to 16, with separate versions for boys and girls. I myself feature in the boys' version, along with Sheila's other son-in-law, David, talking about some personal stories both encouraging and embarrassing. To check it out, head on over to thewholestory.thinkific.com. Again, that's thewholestory.thinkific.com. Or just check out the link in the description. Connor! Connor out. Okay, hon, now we gotta move to adult erections. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so here um, we got two questions from guys who get them all the time. So we're going to start with them. Here's, here's what one guy says. The guys are asking the question? Yes. Okay. Well, in this case, it's a guy who's writing it. And okay. he says, my wife and I are both middle-aged, but we're newlyweds. We're both healthy and enjoy a great sex life. I had made a comment to her about how I hoped I would not get an erection when I had a full body massage on our honeymoon. It was meant to be funny, but it was also true. She seemed genuinely perplexed as to why I would get an erection if I was being touched by a total stranger. I briefly explained that I was a man and that is how God designed us. We are biologically wired like that, can get an erection any time of the day for a variety of reasons, not as many now as when I was 19 
15, but still quite a few. <laughs> Depending on how full our testicles are of semen, how much has been secreted out in urine, and a whole host of things. She brought it up again recently. I frequently have erections at night when lying next to her. That does not mean I have to or that I want to have sex. I really do love her, but I now realize I don't think she understands basic male anatomy. I think she thinks that I get an erection because I love her and want to have sex, which is true, of course, but erections are sometimes just a crapshoot. It can be frustrating. <laughs> God designed male sex drives differently from women, and I guess I assume my wife understood this, but I think now that she was never been taught. I know you've addressed some of this in past posts, but thought it would be good to address again. I am sure that if my wife is misinformed, there are a lot of other women who don't understand men's sex drives. Oh, well, that's great. I mean, he's already said everything we need to say, and we just need to say, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that certainly there is there is a psychological aspect to erections in some cases, right? So if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're fantasizing, if your brain goes that way, you're thinking about the, those kind of things, then you will get erections. But there is just a physical, biologic, nervous reflex mm-hmm. that, you know, can just cause erections to happen too. I mean, like just if you get stimulation around that area of your body or, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes just, as he said, it's a crapshoot. I mean, <laughs> in the, the, the humorous one is like when you're a teenager, particularly because they just come up at all the wrong times sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the things that all men have to learn to deal with very early on in their life. So yeah, so it's not always about sex. Yeah. And I mean, the classic example is the morning. Yeah. Well, so, so naturally men tend to have, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like, three or four erections a night on average or something like through, through sleep. It's usually, I think with REM sleep mm-hmm. that they get erections. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean they're having a sex dream, sex or... dream or that kind of thing. It just means that they're, they're just having erections. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And most, mm-hmm. most men wake in the mornings with erections and that's not necessarily a, that doesn't mean anything as well too. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So here's a question from a woman that, that kind of ties into this because okay. she's trying to understand her husband better. Okay. So she says, Um, I have read the blog from you that noticing isn't lusting. And what she's talking about is an article where I wrote that just because a guy notices a woman is beautiful does not mean he's lusting after her. Noticing and lusting are two different things. A guy can notice that a woman is beautiful. doesn't mean that he's necessarily lusting after her. So that's what I wrote in the article. So then she says, but is it lusting if my husband notices and then gets an erection, even if he looks away from cleavage or sex scenes? If he sees something sexual for a second or even just a beautiful woman, he gets turned on he says he doesn't lust over her he looks away but it still happens he used to have a porn and masturbation addiction but he has stopped both for at least two years and i believe and i trust him has porn caused even the smallest glance to cause his body to want her does it mean that he wants to have sex with her lust or is it just a natural response he says he's attracted to other women but he isn't lusting and fantasizing about them mm-hmm. okay well, first of all i'm glad he dealt with the porn and masturbation habit mm-hmm. That's a big victory. A lot of couples aren't even there. So that's great. Mm-hmm. And, and they're also, they're talking about these things. Like yeah. There's clear communication, which is a real positive. Yeah, which is awesome. And I mean, we don't know what's going on in this particular couple. So I, I'm just going to give some general thoughts that I have in hearing this. But of course, this may not be exactly what's going on in his mind. So not entirely sure. But just when I hear these thoughts, here's what I, here's what I do think. Now, I know we've just finished saying that guys get erections all the time for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so maybe that's what's going on here. He could just have a really high level of testosterone and things just could be happening. We don't know how old he is either. Right. We don't know how old he is. And it certainly does happen more when you're younger. But at the same time, um, what concerns me here is that, you know, beautiful women are everywhere. Attractive women are everywhere. You can't get away from them in our society. And most guys would get habituated to that like because they Mm -hmm. see it all the time 
they don't react to it all the time. So the fact that he still is reacting, that's what concerns me. So let's just, let's just assume that's what it is and let's go with that as we try to answer this. And that's why I'm actually wondering if it does have something to do with the porn and masturbation in his past. You can quit something, but unless you replace it with something else, it can still have a big hold on you, even if you're not actively in it. And one of the problems that pornography has is it does rewire the brain so that what's attractive is like the image, an image or an idea of someone rather than a relationship. And while he may have quit that, for a lot of guys that lingers. And so they may have quit porn, but they still are approaching sex from a more pornographic standpoint. And that can be a difficult thing to get rid of in a marriage. I think one of the big things for men in general is that our culture is soaked in this kind of pornographic view of women. Yeah. And I think it makes a lot of men have, you know, difficulties with relating to women in terms of relationally, in terms of this being part of like, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, a relationship. I think guys usually are thinking very much in terms of an image or the event or that sort of thing rather yeah, than the this conquest, is part of a, the conquest, or, yeah. that kind of thing, right? Yeah. And you know, um, one of the things I said in a post that I wrote a while ago, and I, I'll put a link to that, um, in the blog post that goes along with this podcast is one of the best ways for men to defeat lust or to defeat this objectification of women is to see women as whole people. Mm-hmm. But our culture really works against that because you've got, yeah. you know, your billboards and your TV shows and everything with women oh, yeah. all the all the messages out there are not reinforcing that no not just in the christian world like a, like in the secular world too so. yeah so so it is it is really difficult for guys so i think i think it may be just a bigger conversation about how we can really work on growing intimacy because it can't it, it, it takes a while like when guys quit porn you get this um initial victory and things go really well but it doesn't it doesn't it's like it's it's important to not just stop participating in that activity mm -hmm. you need to like replace that with a positive healthy relationship with your wife yeah and you can get you can you can get like most of the way healed but that final bit can take a lot longer than the initial bit so you know so there there could just be some more um things that they can do uh i I actually talk about this a lot in 31 days to great sex so you may want to pick that up because we talk about like how to reframe sex after porn addiction how to grow intimacy how to how to experience real spiritual oneness when you're making love so that you replace just the raw lust with this idea of real togetherness and mutuality and oneness which is what we're really looking for in the bedroom and you actually can retrain your sexual response cycle so that it is it is more geared to yeah to that broader relationship thing rather than just a conquest but it does take some time for a lot of people wow these are heavy questions (laughs) they are okay now we're gonna now we're gonna go to the opposite extreme Okay, so <laughs> yes, yeah, so we had two guys who get erections all the time, and now we've got people who don't. Okay, are which, you ready? Which yeah, and this is much more common than people realize. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of guys suffer in silence. A lot of couples suffer in silence because they don't realize how common these problems are. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so here here's a woman, a newlywed, who writes in: My husband and I have been married for a few months, and we're still trying to figure this whole sex thing out. My husband hasn't really been able to make me orgasm, which is fine because we're working on it, but we're having another issue that I'd like some input on. My husband is young, fit, and healthy, but he struggles keeping up an erection, especially if we change positions or if we're in a position too long. It also takes him quite a while to reach his climax, about 30 to 45 minutes with intercourse, and we have to be careful to do things just right so he doesn't lose it. 
It seems like we never have enough time to give both of us pleasure, but if we focus on me, it sets him back further in the process. Do you have any advice? Hmm. So with this guy suffering from his delayed ejaculation. Yep. And so there is a term for it. Um, it is a good idea to talk to the doctor about it. He's, I think. Al- he's also struggling with keeping an erection, it says, too. So the first thing is they say they are young. So, I mean, the, we, we have to think of a lot of factors here. There's, mm-hmm. there's, there could be health issues here, but there could be some psychological things going on as well, too. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know this particular couple, and I'm not trying to comment on them specifically because we don't know, but this kind of thing can be quite common when there's some sexual orientation issues going on. So yeah, I've seen that be, a lot. It, it doesn't mean it's that. That's actually quite rare, but it could be that. Um, it's also quite common when there's been a porn and masturbation habit. Uh, because one of the problems with masturbation is that your body gets used to responding to extremely direct stimulation where there's complete biofeedback. So your body knows exactly what it wants and what feels good. And so it's going to get the stimulation in the best possible and most efficient way. And then when the stimulation changes so that it isn't as direct as it is with the guy's hand, then things don't always work quite as well. So it could be that there's some of that in the background that needs to be looked at as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing I see here too, is it says, um, if we focus on me, it sets him back further in the process too. And I, I think, again, I, I, we don't know the situation, but uh, you know, a lot of times there's a performance anxiety element for guys and we're sort of mm-hmm. like, are we doing a good job? Are we not? And we start to get too much into our heads. And mm-hmm. you know, I, w- this is a problem you said about women, but I think guys can have the same struggle sometimes too. So mm-hmm. I think you need to talk about that kind of thing. And maybe sometimes it will be, you know, it's a his night or her night kind of thing. Maybe that maybe it might be something you could try. Yeah, like if, if you had sex where it was entirely for him and he wasn't trying to pleasure you, it, does he still have the same issues? That mm. That's a good question to maybe, ask. Yeah, or maybe it's a night for you that we just work on you and we don't worry mm-hmm. about that side of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are medical things that need to be ruled out. Uh, I mean, there's testosterone deficiencies and there's other things that can be happening too. So, you know, and sometimes, so, so I think talking to the doctor would be important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in young guys, often what really is going on is, is something like pornography masturbation in their past. And so it's just worth looking into that and, and having an honest conversation about that. It's going to be super awkward, I know, but it is worth having that conversation. So it could be a medical thing. Um, could be a psychological thing, could be pressure that he's having, could be that he's got some porn masturbation in his past, whatever it might be. But I think the important thing for this couple right now is that they talk about it. Mm-hmm. And even though it's super awkward, I know they're only in the first few months of marriage and she hasn't had an orgasm yet. And this is all really confusing for everyone. But talk about it. Relax. Don't take yourselves too seriously because it does take a lot of people, you know, some time to figure this out. And even if it is one of those, you know, bigger problems, you can work it out together. Mm-hmm. You, you really can. Um, it's going to get worked out faster if you're honest with each other. So yeah. just say, you know what, babe, it's okay if we're having problems, yep. but let's deal with it together. And, yep. and even if it's kind of rough for a little bit, we'll figure this out together. Yeah. And I would say if you're a young, fit guy who's having a hard time maintaining erections, you should talk to your doctor. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Here's another one. 
My husband has never experienced this problem before, but all of a sudden he's having a hard time ejaculating. Our intimacy has never been better since last summer when I found your blog and your book, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. I'm glad it helped. That's good. That's wonderful. And now all of a sudden this week he's been struggling with delayed or no ejaculation at all, despite being very aroused. He's now nervous because he's afraid it's going to be like this every time. Before I found your blog, we used to struggle with him not being able to last very long at all, and now we've gone to the opposite. <laughs> the poor couple. We don't know the age of this couple as well, too, but, I mean, there's been a change in a level of functioning of their body, so I think they should see their doctor. I think yeah. they should get some help with that. Yeah, whenever there's a big change, you should always see a doctor like that, because yeah. I don't think we understand, too, that erections and penises and the whole bit, they are really impacted by all kinds of, of systems of your body. Mm-hmm. You know, the circulatory system, the whatchamacallit yeah, system there's, so there's, there's <laughs> vascular stuff there's neurologic stuff there's psychological stuff there's hormonal stuff there's all kinds of things right because because yeah. you know erectile dysfunction that's the big one right that's what i thought you're gonna be asking me mostly about today which i don't deal with in pediatrics but <laughs> you know but there's there's hormonal things like testosterone deficiencies and there's like there's neurologic things like you know vascular things like people who smoke or have coronary artery disease things like that they, those blood vessels don't work as well so those those things can all contribute right? yeah so diabetes did we say did i say diabetes already? Uh, i'm not sure but you that did can now. contribute that okay. contribute so not just to deal with this problem but sometimes it can be an indicator of another health issue i'm not mm-hmm. trying to be scary but mm-hmm. it can sometimes be an indication of a health issue and you know as we get older things change and if there's been a sudden change in the way that your body functions i think you should go talk to your doctor about it mm-hmm. and just and see. don't be embarrassed yeah, doctors, like, like, doctors hear oh, this all the time. A lot of people are embarrassed, especially guys are embarrassed to go to their doctor and talk about these kind of things, but it's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, doctors don't see it as a huge deal. Okay, yeah. um, so it could, it could be that. I would also say that in a lot of guys, stress plays a huge role in this. Mm-hmm. Like if the stress level in your life has changed... Um, or if you're, especially if you're feeling really insecure in other areas of your life, that can have a big impact in the bedroom. Yep. And so I think walking through some of that with your husband, yeah, (laughs) fatigue can play a big role. Um, but one of the, one of the really terrible, uh, cycles that men can get into when this starts happening is that they're so afraid that it's going to keep happening, that it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's where women, I think the more that we don't treat it as a huge deal, the better and also don't baby him like I oh, think, yeah, no guy likes that like like if you say oh it's okay honey don't worry about it i still <laughs> oh love God. you like <laughs> oh my gosh do not do that yeah <laughs> like yeah it, it just just don't because that's going to make him feel even less like a man so so don't baby him about it yeah yeah just have a mature conversation and just yeah work it through yeah and just yeah ask him if there's any if there's any big changes because if there's been a big change in the bedroom then there might be other big changes somewhere else in his life and yeah it could be it could be an early warning sign that he's turned back to porn if he used to use that for sure that there could be guilt going on in his in his spirit whatever it might be i'm not saying it is that i'm just saying that it does manifest its way like that in some couples so Again, just saying, okay, what are the changes that he's been through lately? And if you can't identify a change, then maybe start asking some hard questions. But yeah, definitely um, go through all of the list of all things. It could be medical, stress, psychological, you know. Yeah, well, it's, it, I mean, sex is such a multifactorial thing. It's, it's so hard because, mm-hmm. oh, that was a terrible... Yeah, because it's not. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. It's so <laughs> difficult because 
you know, there's so many things that interplay and it's hard to say in one particular situation what exactly is going on, mm-hmm. right? So, but hopefully we've touched on, with each of these questions, we touched on some of the various elements that affect things. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. And just want to say to all of you listening, you're not alone. We get I get questions like this so often yeah. and I've just pulled a few, but we have a whole bl- bunch of all of these kinds of oh, things. Yeah. So a lot it's, of couples deal with this stuff. Sex is the ultimate example of murphy's law <laughs> if anything can go wrong it will it will eventually <laughs> yeah, go so, wrong <laughs> so, uh, which is why it's just so important to keep your friendship going make it so that you can laugh every day with your spouse about something because if you can laugh it's so much easier to weather a lot of these things mm-hmm. just don't take yourselves quite so seriously yeah and building up a good relationship that you can talk about the issues in your relationship whatever they are whether they're sexual or financial or mm-hmm. emotional or whatever mm-hmm. being able to do that in general, will help it help you when you're trying to have these kind of conversations too. Yeah, and I want I, I do want to talk specifically to the, to the women whose whose husbands are getting over a porn addiction. That's such a devastating thing for us that we often and I'm saying we, but you've never had this problem. But <laughs> women, women in general, <laughs> we can take it so personally that every little setback, if things don't work in the bedroom. It can throw us back into a tizzy again and, and, and we can start accusing him of all kinds of things. And just remember that recovery takes a while. Like it often takes years mm-hmm. to, to fully retrain everything and, and to fully see sex in an intimate way again. And during those years or during that recovery phase, if your husband's honestly trying, then get on the same page with him. Like don't don't see each failure as him betraying you again but just see it as part of the process of healing and at least you're in that process and keep laughing if you can because I think laughing and 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 just keeping things as lighthearted as possible is great now if he's not dealing with the porn problem that's a totally different story okay (laughs) but I mean for when when your husband is genuinely trying and does want to put this behind him then be his be his ally in that as much as you can because for so many guys, like the porn use predated the marriage. Yeah. Like they were so young when they got sucked into this. Yeah. And again, that's why it's so important to talk to your kids about it. So get get those books, uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. I totally endorse those books. And, um, and, and the, the key is not to make your kids scared and tell them sex is bad and stay away from that. It's, mm-hmm. to, it's to replace that with a healthy view of sexuality mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of saying, don't ever do that. Don't ever look at those things. Don't ever go there. <laughs> you know, that yeah. sort of thing, having a healthy view of, you know, what sex means and the and that it's a good thing and that it's, it's meant for mm-hmm. a certain time and place, but that sort of thing. But pro- providing a good, healthy view of it is, is I think protective in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're having difficulty in the bedroom and things just are not working properly, one of the big things you need to do is keep talking. And that's where 31 Days to Great Sex comes in. It's a great program that you can do with your husband. You just read two to three pages a night of the book and then you do the exercise that it says and they're not all about sex some are just learning how to have these conversations which are really important to have uh some are about getting more affectionate dealing with baggage and of course spicing things up and i just want to read a new review that came in about it a woman writes my husband and i married 18 years have recently read your book 31 days to great sex it's been very helpful for getting us to become more comfortable and closer to each other we're hoping to be able to continue this new way of exploring and having fun there were lots of points in your book that made it feel like it was written just for us so thank you and you are welcome and I am glad that it helped you and you can check out 31 days to great sex as well Uh, the link is in the podcast description and the post that goes along with this podcast and I just love it uh, hearing 
back from readers and listeners when things that I wrote or said really helped them. And so I just want to encourage you as well to leave a review for this podcast. Wherever you listen to it, give it a five-star rating and leave a review. And that helps other people find the podcast too. Hey, it's me again. Just giving a quick shout out to the winners of our latest draw. Big congratulations to Anonymous from San Diego, who won 31 Days to Great Sex, and to Catherine from New Jersey, who won the Sexy Dares. Thank you to everyone who participated, and stay tuned to future episodes for details on our next draw. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. Be sure to find me at tolovehonorandvacuum.com where I talk all the time about sex and marriage and some of these real issues which we have because, yeah, it's hard to Google them sometimes. So I, I try to get real on the blog. And this week we've been tackling some pretty difficult subjects like what to do when your spouse is withholding sex forever and how to manage that or even how to get over a broken heart. So go check out tolovehonorandvacuum.com. For all of my American listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Next week it comes on a Thursday. So I don't think I'll be releasing a podcast next week, but I hope you all have a wonderful holiday and come on back in December for another To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast.